0: Hello, I'm Jess,
1: and I'm Ben, and welcome to a very special episode of How Bad Can It Get that we like to call for your consideration. For your consideration. For your
0: consideration. Have you been, Ben? Been a while?
1: I've been good. It has been a while. I've been good. I've got my beer. Uh, I got a new MacBook, Ooh. which I'm very excited about. It's nice. Moving up
0: in the world, Mac. Moving
1: up in the world. I used to have an old HP laptop, but now gone to Apple. Well, what's new with you, Jess? Anything oh. new happening?
0: <laughs> Funny you should ask, Ben.
1: <laughs>
0: the most exciting thing I've done all week is paint my room. No, I'm joking. I have actually painted my room. But it, oh, uh, good. It, uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I moved into a new house, everybody, and. Um, A few months ago just at christmas time and the second bedroom was the kids bedroom and i felt like they were quite lazy about how they decorated it because the walls had three different types of wallpaper on it nobody's gonna (laughs) find this interesting or but i'm gonna tell you anyways yeah three (laughs) different types of wallpaper brown one looked like a fake wall and then another one was a fake wall but it had graffiti on it which was the most unusual of all of them like so basically they all had like it was two fake walls but two different types of fake walls and then just a bland brown wall it was yeah i this is a kid's room as well so many holes in the wall so i spent my day filling holes (laughs) and (laughs) filling holes yo, way as she drinks her (laughs) beer the painting was fun actually because i didn't realize how much i would enjoy just doing the corner yeah yeah <laughs> it's so sad yeah. i was like "Ooh, gotta get all them little holes that are like not exactly even <laughs> yeah this is my this is our life this is my life now um lockdown has done this to me because i have nothing else to do so now i'm decorating i think everybody's oh, doing 100%. the same thing as decorating like
1: i i spent yeah. a good part of lockdown Decorating, buying things for the house—I say that I did that. My husband did all of it, but I watched them. Yeah,
0: I was about to say this is a lie. You, did I nothing. drank wine <laughs> and supported him by saying, "Good choice,
1: good job, well done."
0: <laughs> I think he appreciates that you'd stay over anyways. I think Paul wants it to be his own. Oh.
1: 100 percent. if he saw me starting to like pick up a paintbrush and try and do any diy work or anything he would run a mile no he wouldn't run a mile he'd throw me out the window a mile because he wouldn't want me touching anything yeah (laughs) fair enough though fair enough i am a disaster
0: (laughs) i would have i normally i would say i i would have felt the same way about myself but um, i don't think i did too bad this uh this time i may have hit hit the ceiling a few Few times.
1: <laughs>
0: but other than that, it's not it's actually looks so much better Good. than what it was. Maybe we put it on our Instagram page or something and, and force people to see how before and after. And now do DIY if anybody's hiring. <laughs> yeah, and then I also got a kitten. Yeah, my first time I've had a cat.
1: Wee, and I'm
0: afraid I'm allergic. <laughs> one of my eyes is itchy
1: oh no and
0: steven says i'm being paranoid he's like you're being paranoid because you've been painting and then obviously standing down that room so like there's dust in the air everywhere and i'm like no no i must be allergic now and i've never been allergic to cats before in my life i've had cats around me i've had dogs never had an issue and now maybe i've been my hypochondriac or something and i'm just being like no I, i i it's hard to breathe (laughs)
1: <laughs> See now, I don't know if it's the same for everyone But I am highly allergic to cats And when oh, really? I'm around a cat You know within seconds That I've been near a cat It's, it's oh, right. instant So what happens? So it starts off, I get like this kind of Itchiness behind my eyes Which is really annoying Because you just want to pop your eyes out And scratch the back of them Which unfortunately okay. I can't do Um And yeah like my skin gets itchy uh I, I start wheezing a bit like it gets hard to breathe. Oh
0: you can never but be my host then
1: <laughs> if I take out if I take antihistamines and like plan ahead and take them a couple of days before I'm grand I still get itchy and stuff but I'm not as bad but once we stayed uh, at Paul's Brothers and he's got a lovely cat really really lovely cat but I'd forgotten to take my antihistamines and when I woke up in the morning, It was mental like my eyes were swollen out like golf balls i was breathing like it was weird every time i breathed in it was like
0: (laughs) i looked it up like what to do to like reduce it and it's like hoovering and making sure you hoover every day and get uh, an air purifier as well that helps and then also they said steaming uh steaming The fabrics and stuff, Uh, that probably helps a lot. So I was thinking in my head, I was like, okay, so Sammy's allergic. Now I know Ben's allergic. (laughs) So when we're allowed to have people in the house again, I'm going to have to steam my whole house and like hoover and like have the air purifier on and then like hoosh the cats out the door. Like, (laughs) get out, get out. I have company, I have company. But yeah, it's exciting. It's my first time to have a kitten. Me and my my boyfriend, like we, uh, my boyfriend, like you don't know who he is. (laughs) My boyfriend, me and my my boyfriend. boyfriend. Me and my boyfriend. We looked up how to like look after a cat properly because as much as I've looked after friends' cats before, I've never looked after a kitten. Like what are the signs when they're not adjusting well, stuff like that. And just like overall, I want it to be happy. So looked up when you should feed it, when the best time to feed it is and how to know if your cat's not happy. (laughs) I've, i have googled that and what to do to socialize it better obviously is for it to get used to this house so i've actually put a cardigan that i own into the bed that she sleeps oh. in so that she smells me all the time I'm trying to force her to love me more than steven <laughs> <laughs> love me <laughs> more than him so yeah I, and i think it's going to look better today she's peed a bunch of times which is a good show and she's eaten and um, well today and she's also played with me today which was new. she played with me in the middle of the night so she was like a night owl last night she was running around because we put her in the bedroom last night i think it was a massive mistake so i'm not going to do that again <laughs> We had her in and she literally just roamed the room for the whole night and i couldn't sleep i didn't sleep i literally didn't sleep an hour last oh, night God. because i was watching this little devil running around because was, she was so distracting as well. because She was so cute. Like I was like, oh, look at her running around and not knowing where she is. And then she'd like come over and then she managed to get on the bed, which I thought was pretty decent for uh, a, a young, a young kitten. Because she had managed to claw on the side of my duvet and then get up onto the bed. There was like a gap where my leg had, I had like bent my leg, mm. but she could like nudge her way in there and just slept there for a while. And then like attacked my feet then for the rest of the night. And I was like, okay, no, she can't. And I was, I, I was working this today and I, I was like, I can't do it again. I am exhausted and trying to like concentrate and do work. I was like, this is the worst. Oh god, <laughs> I'm too old for this. Yeah. I need my sleep. Yeah, So not going to do that again. And to end the story, Stephen felt bad that she was on her own and had heard that there were still kittens that needed homes. So we are now getting a second kitten.
1: Whee!
0: We've decided that the second kitten is his, his responsibility, and this kitten is mine. We've given each of our own kittens to be responsible for, because that's kind of that's how what kind of parents we are.
1: But now it's going to be just a competition between the two of you to find out which cat is better, which one becomes the better cat.
0: I know which one can you train better? <laughs> Considering I Stephen's quite lazy, I think if it was to do with down to training and everything, I would win. I know this is all probably so, so boring to anybody listening, but honestly, it is the most adventurous and interesting weekend I've had in a while. Lockdown doesn't give you a lot of things to do. So when you're painting and get a kit in, it's like, well, this is exciting.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And if it makes you feel any better, I didn't get any sleep last night either. Kenobi? No, no. I drank lots of beer and listened to Ariana Grande. So yeah, (laughs) I feel you. I'm right there with you.
0: It's basically the same thing, isn't it? It's
1: basically the same thing. I'd never listened to much Ariana Grande before. And I thought, everyone talks about her and says that she's great. So I thought, I'm going to listen to her. And I listened to the first few songs and that was it. That was it. The seed was planted and it became like the night of Ariana Grande. It was great. I had a great, great time. Really Were good you alone
0: fun. or was Paul like joining you?
1: No, I was by myself. I was by myself. I was sad because I just got my new MacBook and I was like, I'm going to play around with it and just see what it does. And then I was like, oh, I want to listen to something to see what it sounds like. And then I turned on a, the first song that came up on my YouTube was Ariana Grande, uh, Break Free. And I turned that on and I was like, this is good. Let's listen to some more. And then what, like four hours later? I'm just, like, walking about the living room listening to Ariana Grande down in a couple of bottles of beer. great. (laughs) So, yeah, I feel your pain.
0: Yeah, we both (laughs) have very interesting lives we lead. (laughs) I hope you're at least dressed (laughs) appropriately for Ariana Grande, that you at least had something glittery.
1: I, I was literally wearing a dressing gown completely naked underneath. Luckily, the blinds were drawn. And luckily... No one could have seen the absolute state that I was. (laughs) But uh, I'm feeling fresh today, though. You might hear a little rasp in my voice every now and again, but I'm sure that's not related. In fact, I hope it's related, because otherwise it could be COVID. Don't want that. Raspy voice, Ben, today. (laughs) You're welcome.
0: Just adds a little sex appeal to you, Ben, today.
1: Exactly, exactly. Like I need any more, but I mean, they're handing it out. I'll take it.
0: There's nothing wrong with having a bit more, is there? Just adding a little bit more on (laughs) after all that random chat.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're here. Uh, I forgot we're here to talk about films, right? Okay.
0: (laughs) I thought we were just like, you know, catching up. It was just chill. For old times sake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this episode is a little bit different than the last ones. Unlike our previous episodes, Today's film has not been chosen because of of low audience ratings, but because it is a particular favourite of Ben's.
1: That's correct. So <laughs> every week we'll be taking it in turns to choose a movie that we love and we'll discuss it. For this episode, I'll be choosing the movie and today we'll be discussing Dancer in the Dark. Now, Jess, I told you about this last week. You've gone and watched it just out of interest. Had you seen Dancer in the Dark beforehand?
0: No, I haven't. And I actually didn't know what it was until you said it. And then I went, Oh, wait, I remember this because I remember Bjork had acted in one film, just the one. Yeah. Did she get an award for this? And she wore that swan dress?
1: She wore the swan dress to the Academy Awards. She was nominated for Best Song oh, for Dancer in the Dark. Right. And it was. Her Lars von Trier and someone else, another songwriter. Right, but
0: it was for this film, though, right? It was a song. It was mm, a song. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, I think so. We're just gonna assume we're right. I
1: think. I think. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was. And um, probably should have done my research.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I've never seen this film before. I wasn't sure what it was gonna be just because it's Bjork. So you think if Bjork is in it, it's gonna be a little bit strange. <laughs> it's a given. If that lady is in it, there's some twistedness to it. So I kind of had uh, an idea of what I was getting myself into. And then before I watched it, I didn't read any reviews about it. I didn't read a synopsis about it. I just went straight in. I didn't want to be deterred from it. Because, you know, if you read some stuff and you go, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this. And then you go in with that feeling rather than just going in with surprise, like not knowing what you're going to be.
1: I was the exact same I didn't look into it at all Actually, uh, before we get into the synopsis I was in college And a a fellow um, classmate at college Came up to me and was like You like films Have you ever seen Dancer in the Dark? And I'd never heard of it I loved Bjork But I never knew that she was in a movie And he said to me Okay, take this home Gave me the DVD Said, go home and watch it and let me know what you think and i've always liked to think of myself as quite a movie buff which uh i've realized since meeting my husband that he's seen 10 times more films than i have which really uh hurts my confidence when it comes to talking about <laughs> movies but uh yeah so he he knew that i really liked films he gave me dancer in the dark i went home and watched it and I, I'll get more into my reaction later, but for now, let's let's get started. Spoiler warning! We're about to spoil things. And that is your one and only spoiler warning. Yes, we're about to delve deep into Dancer in the dark. So if you don't want to be spoiled on any of the major plot points, don't listen any further. Go and watch a film, come back to us later. So. Dancer in the Dark is a Lars von Trier film released in 2000, starring Björk and Catherine Deneuve. The movie follows Selma Jezkova, a dedicated mother and Czech immigrant living in the United States with her 12-year-old son, Jean. Selma is in love with old American musicals, and she often slips into daydreams where she imagines herself and those around her performing musical numbers and she uses the industrial sounds around her as instrumental for the imagined songs. Now, Selma has a degenerative eye condition, and as the events of the film play out, her eyesight gets gradually worse. She does things to cover this. Uh, She memorises the letters on an eye test chart in order to trick her optician into confirming that she's fit for work. And her best friend, Kathy, takes her to see musicals at the cinema where Kathy describes the events on screen to Selma, and Selma tries her best to function normally at her work. Selma's eye condition is hereditary, and she's saving all of her money for her son to get an operation which will prevent him from losing his sight. And eventually she shares her story with Bill, the owner of the land that she lives on, telling him that she's saving all of her money to afford this operation, money which she keeps in a tin gifted to her by Bill's wife. After causing an accident at work, breaking a machine that she was working on, Selma loses her job and she returns home to find that her money is missing from the tin. She confronts Bill, the only person who knew where her money was. And what follows after this, it's a very quick descent into tragedy and injustice. Uh, Dancer in the Dark is a harrowing emotional journey that received a mainly positive reception on release, with Von Trier and Björk taking home awards from the Cannes Film Festival. So Jess, let's get into it. What did you think?
0: I've actually never watched anything by this director before, Lars Von Career. and after reading about the film i learned that this is part of a trilogy it was called the golden
1: the trilogy did you say yeah do you mean trilogy
0: trilogy what i yeah <laughs> <Thrilogy>? <laughs> i meant what i meant
1: <laughs> yeah no trilogy because they're all so thrilling um
0: <laughs> thanks for saving me <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the Golden-Hearted it's trilogy. It's the
1: Golden-Hearted trilogy, yeah. I was definitely Googling that as you were speaking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least I remembered it. <laughs> I've never seen this film, which I stated before, but looking at his catalogue of films he's directed, it seems he has got very signature style. I expected, I don't know, a higher quality, but this was more on the budget of, say, The Room. The camera style was very handheld, no static shots or soft pans, very documentary style, and for me a little bit a whole movie, more personal close-up shots, which I actually found quite interesting. It made it feel a little bit more real. Another thing I noticed was the colour grading choices. Very monotoned, grey, washed out, unsaturated, a reflection of her day-to-day life very bland boring totally and when you move into her daydreams this changes it, the colors start to pop and come alive which i guess is a metaphor for how she feels that she is alive in music and everyday life she wishes was more like that Salima, wait no so lelma selma, selma. Yeah (laughs) Yeah Selma (laughs) So Selma has a Really bad habit Of getting lost In her own daydream And the more She loses her eyesight The more she breaks away From reality Taking her away From her everyday struggles She works in Like a factory Making I want to say pans And the atmosphere Is very Is full of Life lots of sounds. And Selma hears these sounds as music and gets completely distracted from what she's meant to be doing while working and or like pulled away from the reality of her life, her day to day monotonous life, or her boring routine. And her dreary day transforms into a vibrant musical which she is the main star for but every time you see a musical scene you know that afterwards it's gonna be awful and so when you're watching the musical scene you are so uncomfortable because you know you know straight away that once that hits she is going to have done something while she's been not paying attention so like you said She Mm -hmm. got fired from her job. That was because she was daydreaming and broke a machine. But with saying that, there's really no big surprises in this film. You can see exactly where it's going.
1: There's no surprises. No. No, You were not surprised by this film.
0: Right. Okay. So you're surprised by the film (laughs) and you're surprised by the musical scenes which is a fair enough and you're surprised by the ending but you're not surprised by the overall story act it's very uh, it's very obvious
1: there's loads of foreshadowing yeah
0: for example yeah. the situation with bill you can straight away see his greed with the way him mm. and his wife spend their money and when he finds out that Selma has been saving so much money. You already see it in his eyes yeah. that he is planning on robbing that woman. It was so obvious. And it was so obvious that he was definitely spending above his means. And that he would rather be seen as uh or he would rather be seen by Selma as this terrible man than and do this horrible thing than for his wife to realise that they don't have the money that that she thought they had instead of yeah, so she, he wouldn't want to show face, basically, with his wife. He's yeah. so afraid to look like he's not a provider. He's not the man she thinks he is. He would rather rob a poor woman of her savings that she's been working so hard for than do the yeah. right thing. I was talking about the daydreams. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of daydreams in it. And yeah, the the first one was unexpected because I did not know there was going to... I should have Bjork is in it, um. I should have just assumed there was gonna be some sort of music in it. Anytime there's a daydream, something bad happens afterwards. It's like a given. So that so the entire film, you go through it really uncomfortable because you every time something like that comes on, you're uncomfortable because you know something bad's about to happen to her mm-hmm. because a lot of bad things happen to her. For instance, like losing her job, losing her eyesight. Basically, living in a country on her own, with a single, a single, and with a child mm. who has the same condition she has, so she feels responsible for that. Because she, he can't see because of her, and then the people that she trusted, they're not actually trustworthy. And even her closest friend at times is not really trustworthy.
1: Oh, um, really? That's that's interesting because I I kind of saw that relationship differently. I saw her as like the purest friend really why was yeah okay
0: so let's talk about that a little bit so why did you see why did you see her as the purest friend
1: just because of she was brutally honest with selma throughout catherine Deneuve was very understated with everything that she did even at the end when what happens happens her emotion is so held back but you can tell that the relationship between the two of them, she cares so much about Selma when she shouts at Selma after the first time Selma puts two bits of metal into the machine, which is eventually what breaks the machine at her work and loses her job. She's done it once before. And Catherine Deneuve's character, what's her name again? Is it Cathy? Well, Selma calls her Kvalda um, as a term of endearment. But she shouts at her in the same way that someone you love would shout at you and say, you are not fit to be doing this. She's the one that takes her to the cinema and holds her hand and taps the beats like a dancer and tells her what's happening on screen. And then when people in the cinema are saying, shut up, we're trying to watch the film, it's Selma's best friend that's saying, that she can't one see man well, leave in the alone. cinema
0: Every single time they're in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ah budget eh Clearly <laughs> <Played laughs> shot All them scenes at the same day Trying to save uh, their money By having the exact same man In the cinema At the same time Every single time Oh for sure So he could be The angry man In the front row Who's angry <laughs> As the two women Making lots of noise In the cinema <laughs>
1: But I honestly, I think their relationship was quite beautiful because it was like family. Yeah, she's like, supposed
0: to be her really good friend, but she let her down big time. Sa- Sal- Selina? Selma. Sel- yeah, Selena Oh, no. Selma. I
1: think it's Selma. You're making me doubt myself now. Oh,
0: I should have wrote this down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Her name's Geraldine. No, it is is her name's Selma. I'm just second yeah, guessing myself because you keep I calling her a random name. I have
0: not once got it right. <laughs> her friend is not helping her. She's enabling her. And Selma needed help. Mm-hmm. She needed serious help. For example, yes, her friend yeah. did come and help her when she was doing night shifts to get more money. So she was trying to earn more money. And she wasn't able to actually do the job because it was so dark. Uh, It was too dark for her to work, so her friend comes in and tries to help her. So Mm -hmm. she, it's the right reason. She was trying to do the right. She was trying to be a friend and do the right or the right reason. But it's so dangerous, so so dangerous. Like the the machinery that they work with, you could get really badly hurt. And Selma almost does at one point. Selma does at one point. She has an accident with her hand and Mm -hmm. yeah almost basically almost cuts her bloody hand off which her friend seen so she already knows that she's not able to work in that in that conditions now she's in the dark she's come in to try and help her again same situation selma shouldn't be there she doesn't she can't see she shouldn't be there it could have gone really badly so even though she was trying to help her in the end if she got if she gets so badly hurt that she can't work it's not helping her because then she can't earn the money she needs and her son is not going to get help or get the help he needs
1: So, I think we've both seen that differently because, whilst I think you've seen it as uh, Kathy, the friend, being an enabler, I saw it as her not realizing how bad her lack of eyesight was and thinking that it was worse in the dark. But I saw it as more of she gets to a stage where there's that realization and she goes, Oh my God she can barely see a thing because obviously you've got, she's the one that, that goes with Selma to the optometrist where she's getting the eye test. So she thinks that Selma is fit to work. An optometrist, an optician has said to her, you are fit for work, you can see. But then when we get these parts where she's almost hurting herself, almost breaking the machines, that's Kathry kathy's realization that's her going oh my oh my god like you're so much further gone than i thought you were and that's where i felt that she stepped up and she was firmer. and then yeah the further the film goes on i just the more i saw of that character the more i was
0: yeah i know i know it's not like i said it's not coming from a bad place i don't think she's a bad person i just don't think she is the best friend that you see her as or... Yeah. At least... She's not considering her friend's wishes mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. everything else. Like Selma asks her... Selma asks her specifically to do something. Mm-hmm. And she chooses to go against that. Mm. She goes against her wishes and chooses to...
1: Yeah.
0: Help save Selma instead. Yeah, she's, you know, gullible innocent even very childlike
1: innocent she's so innocent. she's and innocent this
0: this was her this is her being an adult taking responsibility yeah. for her son's future and yeah like mm-hmm. i just feel like she wasn't being her friend in that moment
1: so let's let's pop in let's pop into spoiler territory um, so that we can be a bit clearer with what happens. So basically,
0: yeah, if people haven't seen the whole film yet or haven't seen the film yet, yeah, this I guess the end is quite shocking.
1: And it kind of comes out of nowhere. So basically, as we mentioned, Bill steals money from Selma, this money that she's been saving up to get her son an operation. So that he doesn't lose his sight Eventually she confronts Bill And things transpire And Bill pulls a gun on Selma And she accidentally In a scuffle Shoots him And then he basically begs her To finish him off To do the job and kill him So Selma gets off a few shots But her eyesight is so bad That she doesn't deliver A killing shot so she ends up, what is it she uses to kill him again? Was it a sewing machine or?
0: I don't know. It was a blunt object.
1: Yeah, but I basically I, I couldn't look.
0: <laughs> she shoots him yeah. multiple times. Multiple. Even in his stomach at one point, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the blunt object was completely unnecessary. He was already going to be dead. Bashed his head in. Bush. But that was like a really interesting scene. Unlike the other scenes where she used her daydreaming to pull her out into uh, away from her monotonous life, the trauma of this act forces her into a strange daydream where he rises from the dead, still battered now, mind you. So he rises, still bloodied and battered. They have yeah. some strange dance choreography scene together. He paints a wall at one point and then washes his face like as in he was washing away the act of what just happened. The police were called. So you see the police coming along but Selma just walks off like it never happened. She's completely traumatized from what just happened Um, and has like wiped it as if it's never happened. She just walked off and the guy who is basically like our stalker. Yeah, like, yeah, but harmless, harmless, in a harmless way.
1: He's very similar to Selma in the way that, is, in the way that he presents himself. And it's so basically this, this man works in the same place that Selma works. And he has been courting for her for a while. He's been trying to get her attention always saying, do you want me to give you a lift back home? Can I do anything to help? Selma has turned him down every single time. But the only reason that I think that she was turning him down was because she was so busy. She doesn't have time. Selma's dedicated her life to her son. Everything that she does is for him. The only thing that she keeps for herself is her music and musicals and that side of her life so with the musical numbers that happen i see that as her trying to disengage from the real world to kind of go okay uh, i'm not happy here right now so musical and then but with this man that she works with he just happens upon her at the perfect time and eventually she gets into the car with him so he's someone that I feel like she can trust as well. I feel like he and Kathy are really the two purest characters out with Selma in this film. And it's quite an interesting dynamic that all of them have, especially at the end where essentially what happens is Selma is arrested for killing Bill and she's handed the death sentence she has enough money to order a lot to order to <laughs> to hire a lawyer and that is what Kathy does she hires this lawyer and selma is so outraged because that the money that they would be using for this lawyer is the money that will go to her son jeans uh, operation and he needs the operation before what is it? His fourteenth birthday.
0: Yeah, he has to. He has to get it before he gets to a certain age when it, apparently mm-hmm. whatever the problem is with the eyesight um starts to actually kick in. Mm-hmm. So they need to fix the problem before it gets to a certain point. And apparently, you can't. He also is not allowed to know about it because if he knows about it, the, the actual stress of stress of, could actually bring it on earlier. The film is a bit of a countdown to her finally being able to relinquish that crushing responsibility of fixing her son's eye defect. And then after that, she can actually start her life. But right now, she's just surviving. Like, I feel sorry for both of them. They are, they're just the saddest characters. Both of them are so, so sad. For her son's birthday... She obviously can't afford to buy anything for him. But ironically, Bill, her neighbor, the one who steals her money in the end, and is lying to his wife pretending he has loads of money left in his inheritance, he and his wife go ahead and buy the bicycle. Because mm-hmm. he can't lie to his wife that he doesn't actually have the money to do that. So he just says yes. And poor Salma then has to either let her son down by saying, no, you can't have the bike, yeah. or she has to allow somebody else. Give her son what she can't. Like he has mm-hmm. the basic needs. He has basic needs of what he needs, but he doesn't have anything else. Like so, that's it. Just the basics. All he knows is that they have nothing, and he acts out because of it. So, I think it was at one point. Um, Bill mm-hmm. actually brings her, brings him her son to his work because he ditched school. Is that right?
1: To her work. So he'd been off school, um, and Bill. Looked- police officer that Selma kills. He has to bring Jean to Selma's work because Jean has skipped off school and then Selma basically says, You've been hanging out with those car thieves again, haven't you? So like he's been hanging out with this bad crowd. And the thing is, like, yes, Gene you can tell that he
0: which is so funny because he's this so the, the least exactly. badass looking kid I've ever seen in my life. Like he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem like the type of kid that would be like hanging out with kids, not at all. Not not at all. Cars. And you can
1: see that. I think that Gene is is resentful of his mum. Obviously, you can tell in the way that he speaks to her. She is so as a mother is, like overwhelmingly in love with her son, that she wants to do everything that she can to protect him. But she's in a position where she can't tell him that he has this defect that will make him blind because the stress will, like we said, cause it to affect him quicker. So she's trying to keep him out of this, these stressful situations that could aggravate his condition all the while not able to tell him about it and she's not able to give him what she wants to give him she wants to give him these great things and give him a good life but she doesn't have the money because every penny that she makes she's saving for his operation so it's, an, it's such a fascinating dynamic to watch because you can see the son really resenting his mum but When you hear Selma's story and with the way that it plays out, it's like she's not, from the very beginning of the film, she's given her life for her son, which is exactly how the film ends. She gives her life for her son.
0: It's a poverty-stricken story. He sees what everybody else has out there and he just wonders why can't he have it? Why, has, why can't he have that life? Can I have mm-hmm. a bike? Can I have nice things? Doesn't realise everything that she's actually sacrificing for yeah. him. What she's doing for him. And eventually paying for his operation. Selma loses the only thing that she had for herself, which is a, an amateur local musical. It's taken away from her. And still she won't admit to yeah. her own eyesight loss. There's a scene of, like, uh, not in her head, but um, an actual real scene or supposedly real life scene where the director of the musical that she's in it asks her to come out to her scene or to come out, obviously, on stage to start her part.
1: It's an amateur dramatics production of The Sound of Music.
0: But Selma can't see, so she can't see when she's supposed to come out Kathy her friend actually helps her and counts out the steps that Selma needs to take in order to get to the partner in the musical but she realizes it like she can't rely on Kathy all the time so she needs to give up the one thing that she loves in her real life which is so sad I say that word a lot in this but the film is very very sad so instead of again like I said. Just won't admit to any uh, That this is happening She doesn't want anybody To know about it So she pretends to direct it She's just not interested In being in the part anymore And she'd be happy With a smaller part You know Where she doesn't really have to be Have too much involvement And obviously that's quite sad for her Sad Sad Always using that word sad But it is It's very sad (laughs) She just doesn't want anybody To find out That her eyesight is getting bad And obviously this is a way That people could find out Because if people find out She won't be able to Complete her mission Obviously we all know What her mission is I also think it might be on a more personal level as well to admit to yeah. it would be to admit that soon, like she won't see her son grow up. She won't see him get married. She won't see him have children. So she won't see her grandchildren. So in that as well, I don't think it's just uh, because she won't be able to work. Um, She also will miss out on a lot of things and she doesn't want to admit that to herself. But yeah, the work thing is a big one.
1: The second half of this film is just tragic and near impossible to watch. There's plenty of points throughout the film that I found myself looking away, not because what's happening is disgusting or overly visually shocking, it's just that it's uncomfortable because it's so tragic. and at the end of the film, Selma turns down the lawyer because she would have to pay for a lawyer and if she pays for a lawyer Gene is not getting the surgery on his eyes and because she turns the lawyer down she gets the death penalty and the end of the film she's locked in a cell with no sound whatsoever and it's like you can see her searching for sound which is absolutely tragic and then eventually She's taken to the uh, gallows and they put the rope around her neck and she sings the last song of the film in which she keeps saying, this isn't the last song, it's the next to last song. And she's uh, delivering advice to her son and saying, always remember to do this, remember what I told you. And before she gets the chance to finish this song, that she's singing, and this isn't a daydream. Every other song that she sang throughout the entire film is in her head, in a daydream. But this last song she stood in pure silence all around her. There's an audience watching her about to be hanged, as well as all of the wardens who've led her there. And she just belts this beautiful song out. And if you're a Bjork fan like I am, it's it, it's got... Even more emotion than you're used to hearing in Bjork's music like Because it's simply her vocal acapella Breaking down because she knows she's about to die And yeah, before she gets to finish this song uh, A phone call comes in to basically say Okay, do it And she drops and is killed And... Sorry to go
0: back on what you said there about the second last song But Selma says in the film that she never watches the end of a musical Because she doesn't want the magic to end That's why her death is even more somber It's because she Mm -hmm. was like, It's like she was trying to rewind her time to avoid her own ending Mm Mm-hmm she wasn't able to cope or maybe she didn't see it as her end. I don't know. Maybe she believes yeah. in an afterlife. I don't know. There was, there was no religion, obviously, mentioned in the film, but maybe she believed that this wasn't the end of her and this was like a subtle way of saying that this is not her end. There's, she's going somewhere else. I don't know. The film just made me so uncomfortable. Emotionally, I really wasn't drawn in. I'm going to be honest. I was not drawn in into this film. Except for this scene. So this scene. Threw me. It just. It threw me. I think it was a performance. But I also. How raw it was. It felt so real. It was really quiet. It was awkward. It was more like real life. Than I've seen in a scene like that before. Which is I feel. Or I think why I found it so powerful. And it's mad like because it's like you would you panic wouldn't you 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 would panic and oh them stocks that they have her in
1: oh yeah yeah the, the um, restrainer and
0: she's like trashing yeah. about and she's panicking and you feel and it's so quiet I'm going back to saying that it's so 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 quiet and everyone is like the prison guard and everything is they're, they're not comfortable with what has to happen or what they have to do and yeah it was really raw and it made me feel really uncomfortable to watch it and I think as well as while I was look, watching it I was thinking this is mad that this is something that still happens in yeah. the US. In the in the US. Like people do die like is in they get the death penalty. It's still a thing and it's so barbaric. It's like a show. People go and you can watch somebody getting killed. Like the family members can go and watch this person be hanged. Yeah, no. It's a uh, it's a little it was a little it was all a little bit too much Um, and yeah, it it really made me feel uncomfortable.
1: I think that's it. And I think um, for me, the first time I saw this film, uh, I, I mean, as much as I really thought that this was an incredible film, I think this is only the third time I've been able to watch it. But my reaction to watching this film, very, very different from you. I instantly fell in love with selma i thought that she was such a beautifully written and exceptionally performed character i thought Björk knocked it out of the park and then some her performance was
0: a broken wing butterfly vulnerable creature you want to help
1: i don't i like the she's incredibly strong And throughout the whole thing, she is this very, she comes across as naive and she comes across as very, um, like blow on her and she'll topple over. But then you hear her story and you're like, holy crap, like you're dealing with things that no one around you knows that you're dealing with because you're so strong and you're putting on face just because you're so in love with your son and you want him to live a normal life that you're willing to stop your own life. And then at the end, like throughout, I know that you said that at the end she kind of showed that she was being an adult by making this decision and saying, no, I don't want a lawyer. I'll give my life as long as it saves his sight. I think that was there all along from the beginning. She had been making all of the sacrifices from the start. There was this strength to her And she was such a good mum, despite the fact she couldn't provide, that wasn't because of that was nothing to do with her abilities as a mother. So when it ended, I I was a mess. I cried a lot after this film, more so than I have with any other film. The reason that I chose this as my first film is because I'm always interested. To see what people think because not a lot of people that well not a lot of people that i know have actually seen this film and the the few that i've shown it to have always found it very difficult to watch and it is very it's a lars von trier film it's have going you watched to be any other films he's directed i've watched melancholia i've watched nymphomaniac part one and i watched a, a little bit of antichrist but I couldn't finish Antichrist.
0: I've not watched it, but I have watched the trailer for Breaking Waves to compare the styles. Would you say you're a fan?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm not a fan of him as, uh, yeah, he's a very controversial character and this film even has a lot of controversy behind it, what with.
0: But but you're coming out um, and saying that he was uh, sexually harassing her.
1: Bjork has basically said that, yeah he would touch her and harass her despite her confronting him and asking him to stop he would hold her for minutes on end in front of the cast and crew and on one occasion apparently she told him not to do that so he threw a fit and uh, literally threw a chair Um, and he would apparently they were staying in a hotel uh, at one point and he would lean out the balcony and make passes at her and after me too Um, After that movement started Bjork spoke out even more about it Saying that she was sexually harassed by him Also um, the first controversy that I really knew of involving uh, Von Trier Was during Melancholia So Melancholia was a film that I was super excited about when it was coming out Uh, I saw it, it was I thought it was devastating to watch um, the person that I watched it with not so much they thought it was boring and did not enjoy it I thought it was similar to Dancer in the Dark very difficult to watch and and left you with a bit of an empty feeling at the end of it um, so not enjoyable by any means which I would also say Dancer in the Dark is not I wouldn't say it's a, a film that you enjoy it's a film that I think is quite important in some of the messages that it features But anyway, I'm going off track. During an interview about melancholia, he claimed that he understands Hitler and that when he found he originally thought he was Jewish, but he found out his family heritage was uh, well, his family were Nazis. And he said that uh, when he found out he was a Nazi, it gave him pleasure. And after this, Kirsten Dunst, who was in the film Melancholia, she was sitting next to him on the panel, and she leans over and very awkwardly says, stop. And then after this, he kind of seems like he's about to start backtracking, but doesn't really, because he starts saying that he sympathises with Hitler, and that, oh, I don't support the Second World War, and I don't hate Jews, When he says, I don't hate Jews, he then goes back and says, well, that's not entirely true. I don't hate all Jews, but, I mean, just seeing that was very uncomfortable. All of the things that have been said about him uh, through what Bjork said. I know that he denies the allegations. He says that this isn't the case. Um, But still, a very, very controversial figure. And when you look at some of the films that he's made, all not all of them, but the majority of them are very controversial. Antichrist has some of the uh, most disturbing imagery that I've seen. Um, at least what I watched of it, I couldn't finish it. And from what I've heard, I'm very glad I didn't finish it. Uh, Nymphomaniac Part One, I I personally thought was just pornography. I didn't I I didn't think. Much of it, I thought that it was also difficult to watch.
0: I know we watch films and hope the others a director is involved in have the same themes or messages. Is that why you watched a few of his films? Would you say,
1: sure? So, Dancer in the Dark, you know how I watched that, that was my friend giving it to me, Melancholia was because I thought it looked fantastic and there was a lot of buzz about Kirsten Dunst and how good her performance was, which it was. She was fantastic in that film. None of it was really about... I didn't really link it all with Lars von Trier. It wasn't based on, oh, that's a Lars von Trier film. It was very much just, oh, there's this film that I've heard of. Antichrist, I thought, was a horror film, which in ways it was. I was a big horror buff at this point. I loved horror movies. I still do, but not to the extent that I used to. *Nymphomaniac*. The cast. When the cast was announced, I was like, "Okay, this must be something." Uh, Uma Thurman, Stellan Skarsgard. Um, what's his name? The guy that I, there's a guy in it that I'm not actually a fan of, but um, it's Shia LaBeouf.
0: Shia LaBeouf.
1: Yeah, I had to. I reminded myself by singing the song in my head. You know, they're coming up the stairs, he's shy of Oh,
0: level. I remember this a while back. I never watched it. I just remember hearing that he was going to be in a film called Nymphomaniac. And apparently it was like, did they have actual sex in this film? Because it looks like they did.
1: Yeah, it cer- certainly looked like it. Yeah, it certainly looked like it. Um, but I, 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 Nymphomaniac for me was. I don't even know if I finished watching it, to be honest with you. It was a film that I put on and was instantly like, oh, wow, this is weird. And then it just got really uncomfortable to watch. And and again, it's a Lars von Trier film. A lot of them are seemingly like that. He's Well, known as that being that kind of director, it's, it's kind of a shock value.
0: It's like when somebody shows you something and it's a little bit weird, you know, the way like a, a carcass on the ground or something, you're curious and you kind of want to poke it to see what it's all about a little bit like, yeah. where is this person's head at? Especially when you hear the backstory mm-hmm. or some of the thing controversial things that he said, because then you think, is any of this reflected in the type of work that he's doing? And this is why it's so odd. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to give you my money exactly. because you are you are a nasty sympathiser for one and a sexual harasser for two.
1: And that's where I'm torn. That's where I'm torn with light. It, it, well, with, again, not enjoying Dancer in the Dark, but with it being out of the many movies that I've seen throughout my life, this was one of them. This was one that gave me one of the, biggest it left the biggest impression and it um affected me more than most films uh i'm i am an emotional person full stop i it doesn't take a lot for me to cry but this in particular wasn't just about the fact that it was a tearjerker it wasn't the fact that it made me cry it's the fact that it stayed with me for all of these years and it's not just It's not just about the tragic story. It's the musical numbers are wonderful because it's like nothing I've ever seen before. I've never seen a musical done the way that it was done. I've never heard music like that in a musical. Again, I'm a bit biased because I am a fan of Björk and I love her voice. I think that her voice is so emotional when she sings and just... The, the quality of her voice is like nothing that's out there. Um, Björk's performance, Catherine Deneuve's performance, everyone was good in the film, but those two in particular, I just thought, were incredible and I could not take my eyes off of Björk. And the fact that I forgot that it was Björk very quickly into the film, because as soon as I knew that Björk was in it, I was like, oh, God, is this is this going to be rubbish? Is she going to be terrible? And within 15, 20 minutes, I was like, she's fantastic at what she does. And it's a shame um, she had said previously that she never wanted to act, but she made an exception for Lars von Trier and that the experience of acting in Dancer in the Dark was so emotionally taxing that she'll never act in another film again. And whilst I do think that's a shame in that I would love to see her perform in more things, I'm not surprised, not just because of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but because of the story that she was telling and the character that she was portraying. Of course. like if, If watching the film has stuck with me as long as it has, I cannot imagine what it would be like to actually be that character with all of the behind the scenes stuff going on around her that was going on.
0: Although an obscure choice of film, it opens up a lot of opportunity for discussion and is an unusual one to pick.
1: Well that's the thing. I don't I wouldn't say that this I wouldn't say that this is my favourite film by any means. I've kind of bent the rules a little and that I'm going, right.
0: I like that though. I like the bending of the rules. It gives me new ideas for the films that I'm going to pick for the film. I really enjoy.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, I knew instantly that I didn't want to jump right into my actual favorite films because one of, I mean, when it comes to my favorite films, I'm, Fully self-aware that some of them are not good films. Um,
0: Yeah, but The Unexpected is great though. It's like our book club. Which is, if anybody's interested, made up of a bunch of our friends. Me and Ben are always the ones who have read the book by the time that we're supposed to. And the majority of everybody else has not done that. My point is, we both will dissect a film. And I feel like it's interesting that we both have such different perspectives. And I know that's obviously based on our lifestyle, our background, or our interests, or what we're like, what we're interested in. Like I saw this film very differently than Ben did. But that's the basis of a good conversation, a good debate, you know? A good review.
1: Well, I'm sure I've told you before what my favorite film is, but when it gets to my favorite film. We are going to talk about that for hours and hours.
0: If you were trapped in a musical, which one would you rather be trapped in?
1: Hmm, definitely not Les Miserables. Um, Oh
0: God, that would be tragic.
1: I would say... Oh, that's a really hard one, but I'm going to go... With Matilda, because I loved that musical, and the music in it is just wonderful. Uh, uh, Yeah, and it's joyful and slapstick and probably, other than Book of Mormon, the most fun that I've had at the theatre. But I wouldn't want to be stuck in Book of Mormon, because what yeah. an ace power <laughs> to have
0: telekinesis make whatever you want move with your mind
1: absolutely I'd love to be mo- oh I imagine that'd be so much fun what about you Jess what, what musical would you choose
0: I would pick Rocky Horror Picture Show
1: oh great choice
0: because great I choice. would just be tanked for the entire yeah,
1: absolutely time. just absolutely tank dancing
0: around in a tutu Wait, meatloaf and your man Tim Curry Tim Curry I don't know why I said it like that
1: Tim Curry It's a great choice
0: Thank you, thank you I do love a bit of Rocky Horror Yeah Yeah, it's one of the ones I stumbled on in the middle of the night and was like I love this film Where was it all my life? Let's do the time warp again Why am I always the one that starts the singing, especially when I'm the one that can't sing.
1: I bet you can sing. I bet you're a secret no, singer.
0: No, no, no. I'm not. Tr- I'm not being modest here <laughs> at all, Ben. I cannot sing. When I try to, Stephen stops me. He actually says, "Please, God, stop." So I'm not. I'm not being modest at all. This is not me pretending like, oh, I like. I can't sing, and then I start belting out <laughs> Mariah Carey or something. I cannot hold a single tune in my head.
1: Well, I've got some bad news for this episode. I'm only going to be writing songs for how bad can it get, unfortunately. I was considering, I was thinking, oh, maybe I could do something with a song for Dancer in the Dark. And then when I sat down to write it, I was like, I can't do this. I just can't. The film's finished. Leave it there.
0: It's not exactly a film to make fun of, but yeah, don't worry. Ben will be back with a belter next week.
1: You just wait. You just wait. Okay, Jess, it's time to rank that film. As Jess says most weeks, a film is nothing without the star of approval. Here on For Your Consideration... We don't use stars or percentages.
0: No, we have a much easier way to cast judgment on this film.
1: (laughs) Yes, we have three categories that each film can fall into. Now, these rankings that we have, they're similar to what we have on How Bad Can It Get, but slightly tweaked for these special episodes. We have ranking one, Seal of Approval. Seal of Approval. Number two, Worth a Watch. Yeah, it was worth a watch. And number three, Old Faithful, Kill It With Fire. Kill it with fire. Okay, Jess, firstly, I'll just say I chose this film. Obviously, I've got a lot to say about it. Obviously, I enjoy it. I think that whilst there's a lot of controversy around it I think it's an important film I think it's beautifully acted I personally love that kind of handheld home movie style filming of it I think that the fact it becomes a lot more difficult to focus on the images as the movie goes on kind of represents her deteriorating vision. I love the music I think that it's absolutely tragic harrowing and I'll probably never watch it again. Now that we've done this I'll probably never watch it again because every time I watch it I'm left with that empty horrible feeling however I would still give it a seal of approval because I think it's an important film. Seal of Approval What do you think, Jess?
0: It's difficult. It is. It's difficult. I want to say it's worth the watch because it's different. Dancing in the Dark does have an effect and I won't easily forget it. I really won't. It has. It, oh, yeah. it will be embedded in the head. Um, the acting style is a little bit awkward. But I'm really torn because the director... He's an absolute predator by the sounds of it. I've not read too much into it, but I don't think I think if somebody is yeah, no, it's hard. Because you kinda have to make a, a moral decision really, don't you? Like I like does the oh, there's a lot of people involved with this type of film. Is it the crew and the team's fault because of the way he acted in a way he conducted himself? I don't know. Um, I guess you just kind of have to make your own decision on whether or not you want to watch it. I'm kind of really in the middle. I'm in the middle of, it's worth a watch, but also kill it with fire. So for that reason, for for the reason, because of the director and what he's been, how he has conducted himself um, while working with, York and yeah just obviously with that all that information I'd have to say that I would kill it with
1: fire. Kill it with fire. 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 I I I completely appreciate that way of thinking and I think that it is uh it's a difficult one because I only found out after I'd seen dancer in the dark and all that I only found out about these allegations against them and what he said in that interview—all of this came after the fact, and it's a really weird one to navigate because you look at what's happened to some actors like Kevin Spacey. People don't watch his films anymore because of the allegations against him. It brings into a lot of questions of that separation of the individual and art. Should those be separated? Shouldn't they? I don't know. I really don't know. And I don't I don't I, I don't know what the answer to that is. All I know is that this film
0: Yeah, because it's like Weinstein, isn't it? It's like, do you, can you watch a can you watch a film that Weinstein was involved in, but then you're like, Well, all these actors didn't know that he was this person, but you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. And I think with this, it's I'm glad I chose this one because I think there's a lot of talking points here and i think that it's something that
0: yeah definitely this is a this is i'm i'm thank i'm glad you brought it. i would have never seen this film um yeah i it was so such a strange one for for me to watch but i think it's good for people to watch films that are not are out of your comfort zone a little bit it's the same with books totally. and stuff of like that like i with books i like people recommending them to me because it shows you a different side of of writing that you would have never probably dipped into yourself same with our book club it Absolutely. does that to us so the same with films if somebody recommends a film to me I'll, I'll i'll at least give it a listen i think it's always good to to try new things try new things try new films and if somebody recommends you should just give it a go even though you might be like mm, you know what it's an error to your time and you're probably it'll stop you from scrolling through like facebook instagram tiktok whatever it is you're scrolling on tinder grinder whatever
1: (laughs) exactly and if you don't like it walk away i remember i was recommended a film one of two films that i've ever walked out of the cinema on i've only done that twice i was recommended a film by someone that i worked with i worked in the cinema at this point and they said oh my god you have to go and see it it's wonderful and i walked out halfway through and i've never seen the end of it it was called the killer inside me i think it was called or the killer in me it was casey affleck uh jessica alba and kate hudson and it was horrible it was really really horrible jess our next episode we're returning to form and going back to how bad can it get Now, I am in suspense. As we said before, Jess isn't telling me what films we're going to be reviewing until a couple of days before the time. So, Jess, give me a clue. What's the next film that we're going to be talking about?
0: Nana. Nana. Nana, 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 Nana.
1: Jaws (laughs) 4?
0: Yeah, I don't even actually know if it is number four i don't I actually don't know which number it is at all i just know that the name of the film is called jaws revenge and um, and the title definitely tickled me like the idea of a vengeful shark coming after people i i was so the
1: revenge yeah very excited really interesting my dad said to me the other day we were talking about the podcast and he was like oh you should do jaws the revenge and i was like that's a good yeah. point well, we should do that
0: you well your dad psychic yes he, he knew yeah he knew he knew he knew you should tell him be like that's new did you plant that in her mind
1: <laughs> i am very much looking forward to it. i've never seen it i've never seen it i've seen clips but i've never actually seen the film so yeah that'd be good that'd be good i'm looking forward to it
0: i hope it's like sharknado or octopusnado
1: yeah sharktopus or whatever it was
0: yeah <laughs> yeah sharktopus uh, i've seen the first two Jaws-es. Jaws-es-es. Jaws-es-es. Jaws-es. Jaws-es. Um, but i've not seen anything after that so you said there's four i think this i've not even fourth. seen three um i've seen the first two and that was it and i can't believe they went for a fourth one this is why Sharknado happened because people obviously were like, "This is hilarious! How do they keep going?" And then they made a funnier version of it. Um, so yeah, that's what we're gonna do. It's listed really bad.
1: I'm looking forward to. I've only seen the first Jaws.
0: This one's got zero percent on to, on the tomato meter, and I think a fifteen percent on the audience views. So that's pretty dire, even for the audience views.
1: That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, I'm I, very excited.
0: Yeah. I like how we're like, yo, this is gonna be terrible. I can't wait. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> oh, this'll be great. Yeah. Definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Um Jess, this has been our first special episode. It's been uh, great.
0: Yeah. I hope it went well. <laughs> I know it
1: has been weird talking about like something that isn't absolute trash.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I
0: feel like uh, there's a lot more body to this one.
1: Because- I feel like there is. If if you manage to get through, if you manage to get through everything that we've just unpacked, congratulations!
0: Congratulations, or congratulations <laughs> even, as a first one wasn't even a word, just kind of a weird sound. Congratulations!
1: <laughs> sure, for Uh, well, until next week.
0: Thank you for listening. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Bye. 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 Bye.